You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org. And it's a wonderful morning. Let's pray and dedicate this time to the Lord. Father in heaven, you are our joy, you are our peace, you are the one that extravagantly loves us with your gospel. Now we come to you this morning to hear your word and we ask that you will go down into the rusty, dusty places of the soul, the neglected places of our heart and bring the living waters of grace. Bring your life inside of us, bring your word inside of us, bring your Christ to our spiritual ears and to our spiritual eyes. Open up your word to us and bring us life. Lord, bring us life, bring us your peace now, in Jesus' name, amen. Now today's topic is restlessness. Uh, Pastor Ken managed to give me a topic I've never preached on before in my life. And so this is a first. And uh, this topic's going to be a little bit different. Like many of the ones in this uh, series, it gets dark before it gets light. We're going to be exploring the places in our soul that are neglected, that are hurting, that are disconnected, and we will dive into that and become aware of it. Then we bring the gospel solution and we come out hopefully feeling good after the end of the sermon, but we'll, go, we'll have to explore these areas uh, a little bit first. So uh, in the, the, the person in the Bible who's probably the most restless is Solomon. Solomon was a great king of Israel, but he wandered a long way from the Lord. He uh, eventually, uh, uh, his wives turned his heart away from God. He started to worship the Baals and all these other ones, uh, gods, and he set up idolatry in Israel. He became a tyrant, and he ends up with 700 wives. And if you work that out over 40 years, it's getting married once every three weeks. Oh, we have a royal wedding. Not another one, you know. Every three weeks, this guy's getting married. So he, uh, I was doing some exegesis on the Song of Solomon many years ago, and he said, yeah, I've got 60. So she's number 61. After her, there's another 640 wives. So that's devastating if you're that person. He writes this beautiful poem to you, and three weeks later, he's off with someone else. So this guy is restless. He can never settle down. He can never be happy with just one wife or just one palace or just one building. He has to keep on building stuff. He keeps having slaves doing this and slaves doing that. He is never content. And I don't know why God used Solomon to write three books of the Bibles, Proverbs, Song of Songs and Ecclesiastes, because he's such a bad person. He's a tyrant. He's a dictator. He's a megalomaniac. He's a sex addict. Uh, and, but God draws straight lines with bent sticks. Solomon was a bent stick, but God could draw a straight line with him. And he writes three books of the Bible. In the beginning of Ecclesiastes, now if you ever study Ecclesiastes, do it from the NIV. I normally can't stand the NIV, but the guy who translated uh, Ecclesiastes was Derek Kidner. He's a brilliant Old Testament scholar. He got Ecclesiastes right. Uh, and so... Uh, the words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. 
What do people gain from all their labours at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and around it goes, ever returning on its course. All things are wearisome. More than one can say, the eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be again. There is nothing new under the sun. So this is Solomon's feeling. There's nothing new under the sun. He tries this, he tries that. He's never satisfied with his life. He is rich, he is powerful, but he is utterly discontent and restless. So the feeling of restlessness is a discontented edginess. It's a dissatisfaction, it's boredom. This is no longer good for, enough for me. I've got to move on. I've got to try a new thing. I've got to buy a new gadget. I know I'm restless when I feel the need to go on Amazon and buy a new gadget. That, that's, that, that's me. I, I love my technology, right? I, I need to be someone else to move along. A need for new projects, possessions and relationships. The sense of meaningless drifting along in life. The constant search for new ideas and progress to the point where you're never really rooted and grounded in being in one place. And the first restless person in the Bible was Cain, right? He murders his brother and God sends him out. Then he said, what have you done? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed, alienated from the ground that opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood you have shed. If you work the ground, it will never again give you its yield. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. So Cain goes out and his descendants, they have to keep inventing new things because they're restless. They invent music and technology. They do some good stuff along the way, but they cannot be at home with the earth. They are alienated from the earth. And we get this today, even though I'm a technology person, there's a sense in which technology has alienated us from nature. We're not connected there again. And a few years back, I went up to San Simeon State Park at, where there's no cell phone reception and there was no electricity for me to take my computer. So I was out without the internet and without the cell phone for 10 days. And I lived in a tent without any technology for 10 days and I felt great, I reconnected. I went around and I looked at the coyotes and the oak trees and the birds and the eagles and I had the lynx come up to my tent and try to catch a gopher. And I connected again. I felt human again because I was out there and sometimes I like going walking or hiking because we are disconnected from this world. And that's where Cain went. He was cursed. Uh, in Jeremiah it says, how can you say uh, this, is, this is Israel uh, just before uh, they were taken into exile when they were full of wickedness. How can you say, I am not unclean, I have not gone after the bars? Look at your way in the valley. Look at what you've done. A restless young camel running here and there. So they were running after this God. They were running after that. They were going to this experience and this ecstatic thing or that. Uh, and they were restless. And, and Isaiah it says, but the wicked are like the tossing sea. For it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. There is no rest for the wicked. So what is the source of this restlessness, this edginess, this disconnection, 
this, this feeling that we can't be satisfied, that we've got to this church and it's not good enough, we go to that church and it's not good enough. We try and listen to this Christian song and it doesn't quite get where I want and we try to listen to that one and we need something new all the time or, or we're not there, we're not able to be content or we move from relationship to relationship or job to job. Some of the sources of restlessness are anger, covetousness, pride, bitterness, critical spirit and lust. Uh, and there's a, a great uh, Christian counsellor who was a doctor in Switzerland called Paul Tournier, T-O-U-R-N-I-E-R, and he wrote a tiny little book on loneliness. Uh, and one of the key causes of loneliness is this restlessness. You can't settle down with a person, you can't connect, you've got a critical spirit and no one's good enough for you. Uh, and so people are lonely because I can't really be friends with this person because they've got a different theology, they've got a different approach to life, they're, they're not holy enough for me or they're too holy for me or this or that. And so people are, are lonely and disconnected because of these factors like bitterness and a critical spirit and this person's prime. Wrong expectations. We can end up restless because our expectations of the universe are at odds with God's reality. Now it says in the Bible that the world is fallen, the world is broken, and all have sinned and fallen short of the knowledge of God. Right? There are the glory of God. So that means we're in an imperfect world full of imperfect people. And we have to cope with that. We, if you expect the world to be beautiful and nice and wonderful and happy pie and, and like uh, Maybury with Jesus on top, then you're not going to have a realistic exper experience of the universe. Uh, you have to live with grumpy people. You have to put up with annoying people. And as a missionary, I've lived in compounds where there's lots of other missionaries and pastors and people uh, and you share life, or at Bible college you share life, and everyone knows everything about you, and you have to put up with them, and they have to put up with you in community. And also in the Philippines, we lived in a, a compound situation where everyone knew us and came over the bar God with food, and we went over to them. And they knew every detail of me and Minda and our marriage and everything, because we were all so close. And that's intrusive. And you have to put up with really annoying, whiny people right? uh, and people who are, are prying into your affairs. Uh, and so you have to, if you have a wrong expectation of reality, you're always going to be discontent. You're always going to be annoyed. You're always going to be restless, saying, I need to move to another neighbourhood. I need to be in a better place than this. I need to do this. I need to do that. And so uh, we... We have to get sane expectations of reality and God's expectations of reality. I'll talk more about that later. Unbelief. The Israelites in the wilderness were restless because they had no faith. They had disobeyed God. They were wandering around in unbelief. Faith stabilizes you. Faith helps you to, to take where you are at the moment and say, God's in, God's in charge. I can leave this in his hands. I can be content with this, it is well with my soul. But when you have no faith, you're always trying to solve things yourself uh, and you end up restless. Disobedient. You resist God when he asks for a major adjustment in your life. Every now and then, God asks you to change. Not all the time, not every day. 
He says, I want you to make this major adjustment. I want you to uh, go to Bible college in my case. I didn't want to go to Bible college. I was happy in my little chemistry laboratory doing research into cobalt chemistry. And I was, I'm an introvert. And the idea of preaching or going to Bible college was, no! I'm going to get my PhD in chemistry. And since then, I've never been able to do a PhD. Every time I try to do a PhD, God smacks it down because my original thing was rebellion. I was in major rebellion. And I was not going to go to Bible college. Uh, and, I don't, and to this day, I don't like the way that theologians think. I think it's very... I, I, I don't understand the art side of humanity. I'm very logical. So, uh, so I, I didn't want to go to Bible college. God wrecked my research. And God pushed me into Bible college. And I went 18 months after I should have gone into Bible college. But during that time, I was restless. Because God was behind me with a size 12 boot going, Boot! Boot! Uh, until I got aligned and made a major adjustment in my life. And God will call you occasionally to make a major adjustment in your life and everything will go wrong and he will push and push and push until he gets you through the door. And you will be restless until that major adjustment is made. Okay, so here's a principle. It's one I preach on quite often. And so I'm going back to it. This is like nagging you. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So if you're setting your mind on this stuff, the flesh, the flesh will cause you to be restless. You'll always need better food. You'll always need another drink. You'll always need a more comfortable armchair. You'll always need something that's going to satisfy your flesh, another possession, another thing. And the mindset on the flesh is death and it cannot please God. But the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. And the cure to restlessness is to set your mind on the spirit where there's life and peace to to find your contentment and your satisfaction in god and not on the things out there now we're going to, to look at a five minute long video of a bird on drugs it's a cartoon it's an animation and it's sort of the ultimate in restlessness uh, and let's see if this clicker will bring it up okay let's watch this for five minutes i'll just pull off to the side here mm. Do we have sound?
Okay, that is dark. It's a dark, heavy video. And that's about how addiction makes progress in people's lives, the law of diminishing returns and final destruction. In this case, in that video, the golden nugget was drugs or alcohol or whatever the addict was seeking outside of themselves and outside of God. Now, when we seek our golden nugget, whether it's drugs, alcohols, or sexual addiction, or even addiction to fame, you see people wanting to be famous and they chase that golden nugget until they destroy themselves. There's a golden nugget that will keep you restless, that will keep you going after it, human approval, family approval, uh, money, all these things, we have to have more and more of this shiny new thing to keep us going until finally the golden nugget kills and destroys your relationship with others and your relationship with God. And so that golden nugget, that thing you're seeking outside of yourself is the source of your restlessness if you have restlessness or, or you may have a family member that's caught up in this you may have a child that's caught up in this. You may have a relative or a close friend that is caught up in a search for a golden nugget of some description that is destroying them. So what is the way out? What's the, what's the good news that we can look at? Here uh, is a slide. You might want to photograph. Uh, this is uh, how you can come out of this dark place of restlessness. This is what Solomon should have done. This is what... Cain should have done and others. First, repent of known sin, then change your stinking thinking, believe God's truth, adjust to God's reality and move on in the spirit. So if someone is restless because they, they have a, a gambling addiction then and they have to go and be in that casino one more night, one more thing, they have to go out to Vegas again, then they have to repent of the known sin. They have to say this thing is ruining their life this is their golden nugget that is taking away their money and their common sense and repent and say, God, I cannot handle this. I need to, to, to deal with this. This is sin. Then you have to change the stinking thinking that is driving the restlessness. In, in Solomon's case, he was restless. He was building a palace and then a this and another that and the temple. He has to say, enough is enough. I don't need to think like this anymore. Uh, and you have to challenge your materialism. You have to challenge the desires of your heart. You have to challenge your need for approval. And we all have something. We have a deficit in our childhood or deficit in our life or a deficit in achievement that kind of drives our disturbances. And we have to say, I'm not letting that emotion, I'm not letting that vacuum in my life drive me I'm not going to let the thoughts that that has generated drive me. Now, for someone like myself, I have a kind of addiction to success. I have to win. I have to be up there. I, just one more win. Just one more victory. Just one more project that goes bang and wow. And I have to say, no. I can drive myself nuts. I can work 100 hours a week. I can just... Go, go, go until my health is destroyed and my life is destroyed and my relationships are destroyed. I have to say, no, God doesn't need overachievers. You know, God doesn't need me to be an overachiever. There's millions of people in the kingdom of God. I just have to be obedient to him and switch those driving thoughts out of my brain. Otherwise, I will be restless. So I have to change stinking thinking. We have to repent of that. 
Then we have to believe God's truth. The Israelites wandered in the wilderness because they did not believe God's truth. Well, you need to believe this book. You need to believe the Bible. And as you believe the Bible, and as you understand God's love for you in Christ Jesus, that he sent Jesus to die for you, that you are loved eternally, that you are okay without that thing. Uh, I am okay even if I'm never successful again in my life. I'm okay if I don't have a big house in PV. I'm okay because of the cross. And because I have eternity in God and I will get a reward in heaven. And the apostles went out and they were brutally martyred, most of them. And life was tough and Paul was hungry and thirsty and naked and in travail. And it was okay because he knew the love of God shed abroad in his heart. And when we believe God's truth, all the other stuff goes away and we can be content. I don't have to achieve my brothers Peter and David. I don't have to live up to the standard my father set me. I don't have, they're all things that I have to put aside and I believe God's truth instead. And it settles me down. One of the things that I find, an exercise I find very useful is to put my hands out and say, I believe I'm receiving the perfect peace of God. When I'm in that edgy, restless state where I'm hyper, I, want, I, I just say, whoa. I'm old enough now to know that that's no good. I put my hands out and I say, I believe I'm receiving the perfect peace of God. I believe I'm receiving God's perspective on my life. I'm receiving it now. And Lord, stop me going into this wound up, hyper, agitated state. Right? And for you, it might be something different. Right? God will give you love, joy and peace in your heart. You just ask for it and believe that you're receiving it and you will have it. So you believe God's truth and then you adjust to God's reality. God asks you to adjust your expectations of life and to adjust your beliefs in life to his reality and to his word and to his truth. And when you decide to adjust to God's reality of life instead of your own expectations and demands of life, then life becomes a lot easier. It is easy to have unrealistic expectations of those close to us. Uh, it's easy for me to have unrealistic expectations of Minda. It's easy for a mother to have unrealistic expectations of their children. It's easy for some women to have unrealistic expectations of their husbands. And it's, it's easy to have unrealistic expectations of the church that we belong to, or this or that. And, and unless, we'd say to, unless we ask God, please show me what my expectations should be, help me to adjust to reality. Now, one of the things I talk about is the difference between pictures and maps. Now, each of us, from our childhood, from our culture, d develops a picture of the way the world should be. Uh, and it, it, we have this nice little picture. And we can assemble it if we... Uh, we can look at it for books. We can put a, a bit of the picture comes from this book, this, this movie, the Bible. Uh, Oprah Winfrey, we assemble this picture and we like our picture. I like the picture that I've got. But that is a picture, it's not necessarily a map, and it's not necessarily accurate. Right? I remember years ago, seeing on, uh, I saw about 10 minutes of Oprah Winfrey, and this woman puts up her hand and says, I have a right to never feel pain in my life. She had a picture, but she did not have an accurate map. Maps take us from point A to point B. Pictures do not. Uh, and so, 
What we need is a map of reality that helps us to adjust to reality. And there are different kinds of maps. There's a world map on my wall I use for my missions prayer. That's great. But then I need another map to get me around Carson and Los Angeles, where I live. Different kind of map. And the maps we have are constantly adjusted. Costco moves or something like that, so the map is changed. Maps need to be updated all the time. And we need God's map of the universe. We need God's map of life. We need the true map so we can go from point A to point B. And we have to give up our self-centered little picture. Because my picture of my life has me as a hero right in the middle of the picture. But I'm not really a hero. And I'm not significant. It's Jesus that's significant. And in the map, I'm a little dot. <laughs> In God's map, I'm a dot from which Christ died, but I'm a dot, right? I'm not the center of the picture. And when we get God's map of reality, we start to see life better and we can settle down and we can be at peace and we can say, okay, I have my time in ministry. I will you know, probably retire at some point and I'll have run my race and that's it and I've contributed my little bit to the kingdom of God and someone else will pick up the torch and take their little bit of the kingdom of God and I can settle down to where I am and who I am because I've got God's picture of reality. If I think I have to be some super spiritual superhero, then I've got a picture that's going to destroy me. It's not a map, it's a destructive picture, it's a destructive set of expectations. And so you need to ask God to renew your mind so that you accept God's reality. And accepting God's reality can be tough, it can be myth-breaking. Right? Uh, uh, let, let me say something graciously without trying to be destructive. The, the American dream, you know, the perfect sort of thing where you have the three brilliantly intelligent children who all have braces and play the violin and you, you're in this house and everything's perfect and da-da-da-da-da, the television family kind of dream, that is never found in Scripture. All the people that get involved with God get messed up. Paul gets persecuted. Daniel's made a eunuch. Abraham ends up uh, wandering around Israel. Uh, Moses has to lead these people through the desert. The, uh, David ends up with a dis really dysfunctional children when you look at Absalom and all the rest. None of the people in Scripture have that nice, perfect life. Because once you get involved with God, you are a challenge to the powers and principalities of this age, and they come and they kick you around the place. That's why Paul had these people chasing him with rocks all around Asia Minor. As soon as you get involved with the stuff, it gets uncomfortable and all who live in God, godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's 1 Timothy 3.10 or something like that. Uh, and so the nice, comfortable life that we all want is generally not the life of a hero of faith. Go through Hebrews 11 and have a look at what happens to the, Hebrews, uh, to the heroes of faith. When we get into the faith godly lifestyle, a lot of our map, a lot of our expectations, a lot of our beliefs, a lot of what we want out of life goes out the window. Right? Uh, and okay, I, I live an extreme existence. I don't say you have to live an extreme existence. But you have to say, God, you're in charge. And if you want me to go here or go there, you can do that. And then you will find the contentment in God. And it will be a different kind of contentment than having, you know, an 8,000 square foot house, you know, with marble tiles, etc. 
Okay, after we've adjusted to God's reality, we then need to move on in the spirit. We lead a spirit-led, spirit-surrendered life. When the Holy Spirit takes over, when your mind is set on the spirit, you're moving in the spirit, you have love, joy, peace, hope in your heart, and that makes up for all the other stuff. You have a spiritual existence where God's glowing inside you and you go, whoa, this is good. The Holy, when the Holy Ghost is on you, you know, I don't need a new laptop, right? I don't need to have an Apple computer when I've got the Holy Ghost, right? I can, I can stop hankering after this and that uh, or needing this piece of software. I don't need that when I've got the Holy Ghost because I have love, joy, peace, and all that junky thinking goes away and you move on in the Spirit and you're adjusted to God's reality and life. So here we have, repent of known sin, change your stinking thinking, believe God's truth, adjust to God's reality, make the major adjustments that need to happen, and move on in the spirit. Here are some spiritual counter moves to discontent and, and restlessness. Firstly, contentment. Be content with what you have. Right? You be, say, okay, this is, it's repeated many times in Scripture, be content with what you have. Naked we came into the world, naked we shall go out, where with food and clothing we shall be content. And the, the pursuit of money, the love of money, is the root of all kinds of evil, etc. 1 Timothy 6, 7-10. Okay, wait on God. We get restless because we're in a hurry. Again, this is one of my mantras. If you want to destroy your spiritual life, be in a hurry. Martin Luther said, a hurry is not of the devil, it is the devil. What happens? When you get in hurry, you lose patience. You lose kindness. You lose gentleness. You lose your ability to love and be patient with people. You lose your peace. All nine fruits of the Spirit. And finally, self-control goes out the window and you blow up. Because you're in a hurry. Or your hurry will destroy your spiritual life. So slow down and wait on God. Next, slow down from 600 miles an hour to 35 miles an hour. As is probably obvious, I and many other people think at 600 miles an hour. I want to rush through life. I want to faster, 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 faster is better. All right? But life moves at 35 miles an hour. Life does not move. I cannot push people to go any faster. I work with lots of volunteers. I can't push them. I can't push documents through government queues. I can't make supplies from vendors arrive any faster. Wanting to live at 600 miles an hour is unrealistic. You just end up frustrated and driven and annoyed because the universe seems so slow. Right? But you have to adjust. And uh, I, I remember when I was in Mindanao, I came there after the Muslim Christian war to help with refugees in two, early 2001. I was in a very insecure place. I'd had some uh, kidnap attempts on my life and I needed to fix the, the light bulb outside the door of this beaten up old house I was staying in. So I asked someone, do you have a ladder so I can change this light bulb? No one had a ladder. So I thought, I realised I'd have to make my own ladder. So I got some lumber and I got some nails and I got a saw, but it was no good. So I had to go over to another store and buy a handsaw. And then I got some this and I got that. To by the time I went through around General Santos City, buying from all the different stores, all the different things that was needed and built the ladder and changed the light bulb, it took a whole week. It took 40 hours of work to change a light bulb. And at that point, I'm going, what am I doing here? 
Right? 40 hours to change a light bulb. This is a gigantic waste of time. Uh, and so you have to adjust to the pace of that place. I couldn't make life go any faster. And you have to just slow down to reality. Discern the impulse that's making you restless. When you're feeling agitated, when you feel like moving on, when you say, oh, I think I can move to Arizona, I'll get out of here, I'll do that, I'll change my course, I'll change my subjects, whatever it is. Look at it and say, why are you feeling that way? What's driving that? Try and figure it out. Talk it out with God and with the significant others in your life. Why am I feeling like I need to move on? Why am I ill at ease with life? And then move towards life. Don't move towards the darkness. Don't move towards the golden nugget. Don't move towards the empty places and the materialistic places and the ego places in your life. Move towards life in the spirit. Decide, I'm going to live. Now, as times, particularly as you get older in life, you wake up one day and you feel empty. You feel dry. You feel you've been rushing in circles for too long and you've been going too fast. And what are you doing on this planet? And at that point, you have to say, God, I need life. Show me how to move towards life. I've been running in little circles for a long time. And by the way, does anyone ever still love me or am I just a vending machine for my friends and whatever? Right? So and when you wake up and you feel empty and dry and as you've been too driven for too long, say, okay, God, show me how to move towards life, to have life in your heart. Ask for God's life and energy to enter you. So there's some of the things we can do. Now there is divine restlessness. Sometimes God will call you out in a faith adventure and make you restless. God may move you into a new season in life or the times around you may be changing. Uh, uh, there, there may be a new age, a new order of life. God may put you under a divine calling and God may, may you, make, make you restless with the conviction of heaven and of scripture. These are relatively rare. This is like 5%, 10% of restlessness. 90% of the restlessness in your life comes from negative sources. But occasionally, God will move you in a way. Most of the time, old orders are good orders. Most of the time, God wants you to remain where you are. So God's always called me to be a missionary. Every now and then, I've tried to be a pastor and it hasn't worked because pastors get better paid than missionaries. But I'm a terrible pastor. Right? Uh, I'm much better out there running around doing stuff right, uh, than I am being a pastor. So I have a consistent divine calling. Uh, and if, you get, if I get restless, if I get fed up, if I get agitated, it's generally me that needs to get fixed. But there is a time when God will move you on. God moved me against my will from the Philippines to the US. I had no intention of coming to the USA, where God pushed me to come to the USA. Unfortunately, I'm still in a Filipino church amongst wonderful Filipino people. <laughs> uh, and so this still needs discernment. When you're feeling restless, say, is this God? Or is this of your own ego? Or is this the devil trying to make you upset? Discern the restlessness. Talk with a pastor. Talk with your friends. Talk with your husband or your wife or your people that are close to you, people that are wise and move because you want to obey God. You want, if it is God, you want to obey God. 
but there's no, you don't want to end up with the irresponsible people. I've sometimes had people say, oh, I'm going to work with you, I'm going to volunteer with you. And then two weeks later, oh, no, the Holy Spirit told me to go somewhere else. And then the Holy Spirit tells them to go somewhere else. They never settle down. They never settle down into an organisation or a ministry. So you can, you, some people are restless simply because they can't fit in anywhere. But we need to find, we need to go into the deep, 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 deep places in our heart and let God get all the dust out of there, get all those edgy, scratchy feelings out of there and guide us towards life. Guide us towards hope. Bring us out of that distractedness that modern society has us in. And when we find God's truth, when we find God's map of the world, when we adjust ourselves to God's reality, we find ourselves at home. We find ourselves, hey, I've arrived, I'm at home with God. I might, you might be in a strange place, or a place you never thought you'd be in, but you're at home there. It's okay now. You're loved. God loves you, your family loves you. You're okay being you. God made you to be you. He made you to be a human being, not a human doing. Right? He made you just to be who you are right now and he's quite happy with you where you are right now and you should be happy with you where you are right now. Don't worry if your two sizes too large. Or in my case, more than that. Don't worry if your hair is going. Don't worry if you don't sing in tune. God is happy with you just as you are. Uh, and God wants you to be content in him, content with yourself, content with your circumstances, content with your work, and he will give you this perspective to do that. Now, I want you to stand up and I want you to, to join me in praying for divine peace and divine contentment in your life. We're just going to pray God's blessing on you and then the worship team can come up. Lord God, our Father in heaven, we rejoice in you and in your infinite love for us and in your infinite care for us. We repent of our discontent, our agitation and our unbelief. We, Lord, we want peace in our hearts, Lord God. We ask that you will remove the lies from our mind and the unbelief from our heart. We ask that we will walk closely with you we ask, Lord, that you will fill us with your life, with your supernatural life and love and joy and peace. And we pray for peace. We pray for connection with God, with connection with others, connection with our work, connection with our destiny, connection with who we are. And Lord, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for the redeemed. And I ask you to bless them where they are, just as they are with the fullness of your love and all the blessings in the heavenly realms. Bless them with the blessings of Abraham. Cause them to be happy and content. Cause them to rejoice in you, to pray to you, to know your word and to walk in the joy of the Lord. Let light into the dark places. Let your flowing rivers of life into the dry places. Let them know your grace, grace upon grace, for your grace is sufficient for us. And Lord, even though these times may be confusing, even though we may feel somewhat distressed, we have your peace. Peace like a river attendeth my way, and it is well with my soul. Bless them all now in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to audio from New Life Foursquare, located in Harbor City and Norwalk, California. Feel free to make copies of this audio to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or change the content in any way without permission. For more information, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.